0: I'm Joshua Kagi from The Christian Citizen, and this is Justice, Mercy, Faith. In this episode, Christian Citizen Editor, Curtis Ramsey Lucas, talks with Reverend Lauren Lisa Ng, Director of Leadership Empowerment at the American Baptist Home Mission Societies, about her work with emerging leaders pursuing innovative and entrepreneurial models of ministry, and about her advocacy in response to the rise of anti-Asian violence. Here now is Curtis Ramsey Lucas with Reverend Lauren Lisa Ng.
1: I am happy to welcome to the podcast my friend and colleague in ministry, Reverend Lauren Lisa Ng. Lauren is Director of Leadership Empowerment at American Baptist Home Mission Societies, where she works with innovative and entrepreneurial models of ministry and the emerging leaders who pursue them. Lauren, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi Curtis, thanks for having me.
1: Tell me a little about your work with ABHMS. What does a Director of Leadership Empowerment do?
2: Great question. Um, Cultivating leaders, as you know, is one of the uh, main areas of mission focus and priority that we have at the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. And so as Director of Leadership Empowerment, I convene a team of experts who are just pursuing different areas of leadership capacity uh, for Christian leaders, both laity and ordained uh, and missional entrepreneurs, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later um, in a variety of different leadership areas. So uh, within our unit, we have someone who is working on scholarships and emerging leaders. Uh, We've got somebody who does work with um, is the ecclesiastical endorser Uh, for chaplains and uh, pastoral counselors and other specialized ministries. Somebody who's engaged in the work around uh, faith and finance. How do we talk about money within our context? And then um, the work that I am uniquely called to is around missional entrepreneurs, innovators, creators, people doing ministry in non-traditional ways.
1: And you're just coming out of the kickoff summit of the co-creators incubator. What is a co-creator and how does the incubator function?
2: Yeah, the Co Creators Incubator is a two-year integrative program uh, here at ABHMS uh, that helps missional entrepreneurs to turn their Christ-centered ideas into viable ventures and ministries um, with that Christ-centered um, focus. And so, a co-creator—the the name is born out of this, um, out of the 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 concept, the idea that many um, have have heard about. The fact that we are created by God, but we are also invited by God to co-create. And so um, a co-creator is a an innovator, like I said, an entrepreneur, someone who's saying, I feel compelled by Jesus to pursue this ministry area or this ministry idea. But it seems to fall squarely outside of traditional models of ministry. So I'm not maybe a local church pastor or I'm not doing something at a regional or national level or I'm not a community um, you know, uh, it, it's not a community organization that's already established, but it's something new. It's something a little bit outside the box. And, um, and what do I do with this idea? Because I see it as a ministry. And so the Co-Creators Incubator invites entrepreneurs like that to apply for the program. And if accepted are in a cohort called the Co-Creators um, Incubator cohort. They're paired up with um, a group of incredible mentors. And we travel again through a two-year program where they get to kind of flesh out their idea, gain the resources they need to um, help make it viable, put some feet to it. And then later on in in the program, uh, we do something called a launch summit, which we like to call Shark Tank for Jesus, because that's a reference that people will often know, uh, where during a demo day, these co-creators actually come and pitch their idea out into the world to a room full, both physically and virtually, a room full of creative partners who might seek to um, invest or partner with the co-creator in a variety of ways.
1: And how many co-creators are you working with in a particular cohort?
2: Yeah, we work with six co-creators each two-year cycle. So we are in cycle two now. Um, So there's a group of six who came through cycle one in 2019 and 2020. And now we've just begun cycle two, which will be uh, who will be with us 2021 and 2022.
1: And what are some innovative models of ministry you've seen through your work with the co-creators incubator?
2: I'll give you an example from uh, maybe cycle one cohort and then an example from this current cohort. So in cycle one, um, there's an individual named Tony um, Gapastone, who is uh, was a co-creator then and actually has come back to join us in the second cycle as a mentor, which is great. So he's still engaged in the program. Um, But he's the founder of um, Brave Maker uh you can check it out at bravemaker.com and it is a um an organization that's you know it's a film festival it's a, hey, um it's a it's a media um you know pro- production uh, company uh, he himself is an actor he's a, actually an American Baptist pa- pastor in an American Baptist church right now as well um and through the medium of film, seeks to have he seeks to gather people around critical conversations, brave conversations of brave people. And I remember him talking with me um, before he entered into cycle one. And he said, you know, it, I, I was thinking about the fact that there are all these, um, again, brave stories of brave people, critical conversations that need to be had around, you know, um, voting rights, around immigration, around systemic racism, around, you know, and it's so difficult often for people of faith to talk about those things. But I thought about my own love for, this is Tony talking, I talk about my own love for film um, and thoughts about how people naturally gather, for instance, in a um, a movie theater, you know, they come together, they sit together, they, they watch something, they talk about it beforehand they talk about it afterward. And he thought, what if I were to combine those two things? And so um, now, Brave Maker will host, you know, obviously in non-pandemic times. Um, so we're looking, he's looking forward to, to beginning this again soon, but um, we'll gather actually in movie theaters, uh, rent it out for the week, rent some of the the, the rooms out for a weekend, um, have a big film festival and and have these independent films uh, come and show. And then people will um, come in and watch the film. And then there'll be a panel of folks afterward, uh, including usually the filmmaker, um, some other people who can speak on the topic that the film, you know, kind of, um, is discussing, and they'll have this amazing conversation, uh, that unpacks kind of the major themes of the, of the film itself and and the topic that it addresses. So it's a way of gathering people in an innovative way to talk about the things that, um, should be, um, top of mind and top of heart for our churches. Uh, in this current cycle too, let me think about who I, who I would, um, highlight. There is, um, uh, um, somebody named Ruth uh, Alert-Jones, who is uh, coming in, working on pregnancy, uh, a ministry for families and women who are um, have experienced pregnancy loss. And so through the HEM network, um, Healing Embrace Maternal Network, she's looking to provide resources for and community for, again, families and women in particular in the church um, who have suffered from pregnancy loss. Again, a topic that often um is difficult for us as churches uh to to um to encounter and embrace and so um that's one of the ministries yeah that's in our current cycle
1: mm. You contributed a chapter to In This Together, Ministry in Times of Crisis, which was published late last year by Judson Press. Your chapter, Pushed or Prompted, God's Invitation to Change, explores what we are learning about being church during the pandemic. And you begin that chapter by reflecting on the Midrashic story of Nishan. Who was Nishan and why has his story been significant to you in these times?
2: Yeah, I first read the story of Nishan um, actually through another book, um, Gil Rendell's Quietly Courageous, that I read as part of my doctor of ministry program um, at Central Baptist Seminary, where I am, I'm um, engaged right now in that course of study. And um, Nishan was one of the people of Israel who were was on the, the, the banks of the Red Sea um, as Israel was um, fleeing um, uh, the Egyptians. And so, uh, the story goes that he, that as everyone was kind of on 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 the edge of the water, discussing what are we to do, uh, he was the first one into the water, um, and so entering into these uncharted waters uh, on the faith and promise of the God he knew um, to deliver on that faithfulness and on those promises, walks in uh, up to his ankles, and the waters don't part. Continues in deeper up to his knees. The water still don't part. Continues in even deeper up to his shoulders. The water still don't part. And it's not until he takes the next step where his face, his nose would have been under the water that the waters finally part. And so I use that story. I've been reflecting on that since, um, since I first read it, uh, about, you know, what, what does it mean, um, as the people of God to perhaps frame, um, this, this movement into these uncharted waters into this 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 terrain that is unfamiliar to us um as as being invited and prompted by the spirit versus pushed because what how does our posture change both our, both our physical our spiritual our emotional and our mental posture change uh when we feel that we're being pushed versus being invited in you know a hand is being reached out to us
1: You write in the chapter, um, in times of crisis, we're especially attuned to the creator's invitation to ask critical questions concerning the church's identity and purpose, and that in these times, we have learned innumerable lessons and gained immeasurable insights about being church, especially as it relates to creativity and connectivity. What are some of the lessons you have learned in this past year?
2: Wow um you know when i was writing that chapter i was um referring a lot to the to the again innovative kind of creative um um i don't even want to say workarounds because they have been right. so uh um trailblazing and what churches and communities have done in the midst of crisis, uh, to again, reimagine and rethink what ministry can look like. But you asked me the question personally. And when I would written that chapter, that was before, um, that was before the, for instance, the murders um, of the Asian women in Georgia, um, on March 16th. And so as I'm reflecting on your question from where I stand today, um, you know, as an Asian American woman, Christ, professing Christian um, in this time, I have really felt that uh, all of these incidents of anti-AAPI hate, um, certainly, you know, we the, the re- are reawakening to systemic racism against all uh, people of color, particularly the Black and African American community. Um, I've been giving some thought to the way this the so much of how God has worked in my life, all my life up until now has prepared me, has prompted me, invited me in to this space now um, to share my voice uh, with regards to um, racial healing, racial solidarity, um, and certainly the amplification of Asian American Pacific Islander voices. Uh, I think about the fact that I um I've always loved poetry, <laughs> always, uh, you know, I was writing poetry as a child. Um, I actually uh, majored in poetry and creative writing at Oberlin College in college and and then kind of tucked all that away for several, several years. And then in this time, in this season have found that my voice and my poetic voice in particular has been the way for me to enter um, this critical conversation that's happening uh, around, the AA, around and within the AAPI community. So again, I think, gosh, I could, in some sense, feel pushed, um, into dealing with all of this tragedy and this crisis. And in some ways I'm realizing, no, I, I think the spirit has actually been preparing me and, and is prompting me into these un, uncharted waters, um, in that way.
1: Mm. How would you recommend, um, American Baptists and others get involved in the effort to, um, stop the kind of attacks, um uh, that we're seeing, um, Stop AAPI hate revealed in March, um, nearly 3,800 incidents reported over the course of roughly a year during the pandemic um, with a disproportionate number of those attacks directed at women. Um, what are some ways that you would recommend American Baptists and others get involved? What what steps ought to, we to take um, individually and collectively to respond?
2: Yeah, I think um I think education and action can happen um, simultaneously. I think uh, we've talked a lot um, in this last uh, couple of years, especially around, you know, get yourself educated, um, uh, study, 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 listen, listen, listen. And I, And that is so critically important. At the same time, I don't think somebody needs to wait until they feel that they've been fully educated around a subject matter before they can begin to take action and engage, because guess what? We'll be waiting our whole lives, right? There's always gonna be more to learn. So I think those two things can happen hand in hand. So, I mean, with the AAPI community, I have been doing so much learning, for instance, um, you know, just since the most recent tragedy um, in Indianapolis, I've been learning more about the Sikh, um, you know, community and, um, and, and, and community of faith and religion. And so, um, you know, I would recommend, yeah, continuing to learn, read, watch. Uh, there's a PBS series that came out documentary, five part documentary on Asian Americans came out in 2020. I would highly recommend that. Um, so there are resources out there. Uh, and while, and that should happen, in tandem with having conversations with people you know in your community as well, um, so the micro and the macro education, and then action. Uh, one of the things that's happened for me this past year is that I have become more engaged locally with my own community here in um, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area in California, and I having you know being national staff like you, Curtis, have always kind of had my mind and and my focus set on national, you know, the national level, and so I came to realize that i know more uh asian americans in other parts of the country than i know in my own neighborhood and so after the tragedy in georgia on march 16th i put out um a call uh so to speak for for um community AAPI community members here in my own county in california to gather for a conversation around how are we feeling what is it we might want to do together in response and um I remember it was, you know, that happened in Georgia on March 16th on on a Tuesday. On Thursday the 18th, I hosted a Zoom conversation and I had only texted. I was like, who do I know who's Asian in my county? And I was literally texting my my 10-year-old son's friend's mother, you know, like, hey, would you be interested in having this conversation because I know you're Asian? And 63 people showed up to that Zoom call on that Thursday night, um, including our, you know, um uh including count community leaders county leaders and all that and we did the sort of fishbowl experience where i invited anyone who identified as api to begin kind of with those prompts of how, to, how are we feeling what do we need what do we want um and then we opened it up to a larger conversation and lots of incredible things have happened as a result of that and the, and the work that was already going on that I just had not been a part of. And so I have had the privilege of entering into the stream of, 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 of advocacy and justice work that's already been at play in my county for long before I ever arrived. Um, so I would say, you know, an, as an encouragement, look at what you can do locally. I mean, these are huge topics, huge issues, huge crises, and they can be so uh, monumental that it can feel paralyzing, right? And so um, start small and just reach out, do a Google search, who in your county is is doing work around this already and find ways to get involved because they will always need and covet your help.
1: I think that's great advice. Um, we, we have to pay attention to what's happening nationally and globally, but it can be overwhelming to look there if we're not also engaged locally. And I think that uh, the opportunity to be engaged and to have an impact locally is, in some ways, so much greater than um, you know things that are so much more distant to us at a national or global level. Yeah. How can American Baptists and others connect with the work that you and ABHMS are doing? What's the best way to find out more and get involved?
2: Absolutely, um, you can always check out for the the Co Creators Incubator, um, Co Creators Incubator Will take you right to more information about that program, um, and you can reach out to me through our website there. Um, and certainly, um, if you can come onto if you are a, a ministry um, leader or seminarian or um, engaged in ministry somehow, uh, to definitely check out our Ministry Life um, uh, platform as well and. Uh, on there, you can listen to um, a podcast that I host as well called Hatched, which is a podcast of the Co-Creators Incubator, and you'll get to hear me um, interview uh, the co-creators themselves, some of our mentors and others other entrepreneurs um, within American Baptist and beyond um, who are doing that kind of innovative work and get to hear their stories firsthand. And then certainly through abhms.org, you can check out Cultivating Leaders section to learn more about the other areas of um, leadership that I mentioned at the beginning.
1: Okay. Lauren, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a privilege and a pleasure. Thanks, Curtis.
1: Lauren's chapter pushed or prompted God's invitation to change can be found in, in this together ministry in times of crisis published by Judson press. It is one of a number of insightful reflections on challenges we are currently facing. I also encourage you to visit ChristianCitizen.us, where you will find one of Lauren's recent poems titled the game board, second generation, Chinese American female edition. And if you listen to episode 45 of this podcast, you will hear Lauren reading that poem. I also encourage our listeners to sign up for the Christian Citizen Weekly at christiancitizen.us to receive links to new articles for publishing and new podcast episodes, as well as links to articles of interest from other publications. Thank you.
0: At the Christian Citizen, we're passionate about justice, mercy, and faith. We produce award-winning content that is provocative, timely, and relevant. What started 25 years ago as a print publication is now a digital-first multi-platform publication. We've added an award-winning weekly e-newsletter, this podcast, and a growing presence on social media. Now, for the first time, we're adding a member support program, Christian Citizen Ambassadors. Learn more about how you can support our work at christiancitizen.us slash members. Thank you to this week's guest, the Reverend Lauren Lisa Ng. Our theme music is Eye of the Beholder by Fabian Tell. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. The show, website, and newsletter are produced by myself, Joshua Kage. Stories are copy edited by Hannah Estefanos. Our art director is Danny Ellison. The Christian Citizen editorial board is Dr. Jeffrey Hagre, Laura Alden, Susan Gottschall, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the Reverend Salvador Oriana, the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Turner Triplett, and the Reverend Cassandra Carcup williams And our advisors are Sherilyn Crow, the Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, the Reverend Marvin A. McMickle, and the Reverend Harold Dean. To learn more about The Christian Citizen, visit our website, christiancitizen.us. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thanks for listening.